Welcome to the Sporting Ones podcast with Rowie minus Hayden for the 10th episode. Finally got to uh, 10 episodes and um, it's, uh, yeah, has uh, come along quite quickly. Um, with uh, Hayden, unfortunately, we did do this podcast earlier in the week, but due to uh, technical difficulties, it didn't come through. So we've had to do it again and I'm flying solo on this one. So we'll see how it transpires so we're here for the uh, AFL preview for week one of the finals and I am absolutely buzzing for this it's going to be an awesome uh, final series so uh, yeah it uh, has been a uh, long week to wait for the finals to come along in the bye week but uh, getting all the formalities out of the way um, we're ready to go Uh, first off um, just like to uh, send a tribute to the Varco family. Um, last week we did touch on the fact that uh, Margaret Varco was in hospital from a accidental head knock um, in the Division Two Grand Final um, Women's Grand Final, and she has sadly uh, later that night she sadly passed away. So, sending our uh, wishes to the Varco family and the Anglevale Footy Club. That's for sure. Um, moving on, we'll have a look at a quick. A bit of a quick trade recap before we get stuck into the previews and the teams. Um, Lockie Neal, huge news out of the West. Looks like he could be heading out of um, Brisbane with most of the reports suggesting that uh, he has initiated the move to Brisbane and uh, that he desperately wants to get there. Um, Brisbane are prepared to offer up their first pick for him and that would be a extremely bold move for Brisbane and also a uh, very good one to bolster their midfield stocks. Um, would see them move up quite quickly, but it would be a shattering blow for Fremantle, who are very much a club in transition and very much a club in crisis, that is for sure. Uh, Scott Lysett, uh, news came out uh, last week uh, from the Herald Sun. Uh, was all over Fox Sports as well from uh, Tom Morris that uh, Scott Lysett had chosen his club of choice. Very strange on the eve of the finals, but um, it has happened before um, that he had chosen his club and it was to be Port Adelaide uh, ruling St Kilda out of the equation. Um, so that's good news for Port as it needs a backup for Ryder um, desperately given how the season ended and how Port plays without uh, Paddy Ryder. So it would allow Ryder to play forward. Lysett, probably 75% of the ruck, uh, who can also play forward. So it's it's win-win for Port in that sense. Uh, sticking with Port and Jared Polek looks like pretty much 90 to 95% certain he's going to end up uh, in, with a Victorian club. Um, for all money, it was North Melbourne up until earlier this week when reports came out that St Kilda were also in the mix. I still expect uh, Jared will get to North Melbourne and similarities between North and Porter um, in terms of uh, demographic of the team, in terms of the players he's got around him, nothing much will change. And he'll still be playing for a uh, finals aspiring side. So I I don't think it's a backwards career move by any sense for um, Pollock in in that respect. Uh, Jordan Roughhead met with the Eagles last Friday in in a sure sign that um, they're aware that Lysett has made his choice and he met with the Eagles as far as uh, as he goes. He is a free agent, so he 
can look at the Eagles, and the Eagles can look at him quite nicely as a replacement. And then when Natanui comes back, that all fits in nicely as well. Uh, Luke Dowhouse has informed the Bulldogs that he is on his way out of the Bulldogs. Geelong has been the one that has been is a club that has been heavily linked with Dowhouse, more than likely based on that, uh, barring any la- um, last minute plays by opposition clubs, uh, Dowhouse will find himself at the Cattery, um, which would bolster their um, midfield stocks once again and also give them a uh, half-forward. He, he's kind of a linking uh, midfielder, half-forward type of player, Dowhouse. So sort of the Cats don't um, have too many of those lying around. So um, he'll definitely improve their lineup, that's for sure. Tom Lynch has also informed the Gold Coast um, a while ago, as we all know, that he's uh, leaving the club. But it came out last night that we believe that Richmond is the club that he has finally chosen over uh, Collingwood and Hawthorne. So huge coup on the eve of the finals for the Richmond Football Club uh, with that news coming out. And the Mitch McGovern, um, not saga, but the Mitch McGovern trade still continues on uh, with Carlton heavily uh, leading the race um, for Mitch in that. Uh, there are other clubs interested where whether they can uh, conjure enough up to convince McGovern otherwise to not go to Carlton. Um, that remains to be seen. So it's been an interesting week on the uh, trade uh, rumours front. And uh, as, the, uh, as more teams drop out of the finals after this week, um, no doubt it will uh, heat up even further. So we'll move into the uh, finals preview, and it's uh, Richmond versus Hawthorne in an absolute blockbuster to start off um, the first week of the finals. Um, Richmond are the clear favourite going into this, as proven by their um, season that they've had, um, their winning streak that continues to grow at the MCG, uh, the way they play their football, and also uh, reflected in the betting markets um, with them down below $1.40 at the moment. So heavily backed in and also uh, heavily backed in as premiership favourite at uh, $2.25 uh, as of last night. Um, the next clear favourite at sevens. So it proves that they uh, have had a fantastic season uh, built on the basis of what we already know, their um, manic pressure, their tackling, they're locking it in that forward half and not letting the uh, opposition out until they've scored, um, capitalising on turnovers and just that quick speed. As soon as they, uh, as soon as there's a turnover in that back half, you've got to be set up or Richmond will slice you open like they so commonly do with their speed, with their small, um, with their small brigade, and. Uh, they're uh, very, very adept at the MCG, as we know, winning the last 21 straight, although quite recently they have had their scares. So they're not unbeatable, but uh, they'll be hard They'll be hard to beat. Uh, one change for the Tigers going into this, um, Kane Lambert, one of their most important players. He runs his absolute socks off endurance-wise. He's one of the best in the AFL, runs at least 14 to 15 Ks per game. Very good by foot, very underrated um, by some teams, I feel. So he comes in. The unfortunate one going out is um, Brandon Ellis, who has been a uh, ever-reliable backman for the Tigers off half-back. Uh, rarely loses a contest 
very good with his disposal, but unfortunately, 23 doesn't go into 22, and Brandon Ellis is the one that misses out. And moving on to Hawthorne, they've, I'll start off with their changes first of all. They've made uh, three of them initially, and uh, just now there's been a late out as well. So initially it was um, James Sicily, James Frawley, uh, and Jonathan Segler in, uh, and the outs uh, were David Mirror, Taya Miles, and Caden Brand. But the late out is that Showmakers is injured. Um, Ryan Showmakers is injured. Is injured. So Daniel Howe, who coming off five day break with the VFL, he, on his comeback from his five week suspension, uh, has come into the side, which could mean uh, that he could play a tagging role. On Dustin Martin, uh, we'll have to look out for that. But uh, it uh, certainly wouldn't surprise me if he goes straight to him at the first bounce. So Hawthorne will be looking to um, will be looking to exploit that if they've got Howe in their lineup. They've uh, Hawthorne have had a very solid six weeks after looking like they were going to miss the finals uh, after their second loss of the season to Brisbane. Um, they've won six on the trot. They've beaten an inform Essendon in the MCG. They've beaten Geelong. They've beaten Sydney in Sydney. Uh, they've done what they've needed to do, and they've finished in the top four uh, when it looked like they were going to miss a finals, which is an amazing feat and only goes to highlight just how uh, much of a master coach Alistair Clarkson is. Um, Hawthorne play a very different style of game to what the Richmond Tigers do. They play a very... Um, possessive game they they force the teams to defend and then win the ball back so they they basically they have to possess the ball if the hawks have got the ball you're in trouble that that's pretty much getting down to the nitty-gritty um they hurt you in attack they've got luke bruce they've got jack gunston They've got Roughhead providing a target. They've got uh, the ever-wily Puopolo. So in attack, they can definitely hurt you. In the midfield, they've probably got the best midfielder going around at the moment in Tom Mitchell, who did get 42 possessions against the Tigers last time. They've got Jaeger Amira, who's got back to his uh, stunning Gold Coast form. They've got Liam Shields, uh, who's very underrated. And they've got Isaac Smith for their run, who uh, just usually will give them 400 to 500 metres gained every match. So they've got a midfield that can match Richmond's. What they must do is they must, having watched Richmond play against the Bulldogs and having watched them play against Geelong, the way that Geelong and the Bulldogs almost beat them, both losing by three points, um, which uh, could have gone either way, both sides went through the corridor. They went through the corridor and they hit Richmond on the counter. They they took it's a high risk, high reward maneuver, but it basically doesn't allow Richmond to set up. It slices them open and you can score heavily on them. That is what Hawthorne must do if they are to win tonight. They've got to go through the corridor as much as they can. But in saying that, it must be calculated or Richmond will hurt them back the other way. So basically, they have to play their game, but also go through the corridor. So they must possess the ball, get their uncontested marks, but also when they need to hit the pull the trigger and go through the corridor. And then hopefully they can uh, expose Richmond and uh, we have a cracking game. 
In this one, it's going to be a difficult one. Hawthorne are the rank outsider. Um, Richmond are the heavy favourite, but I'm actually backing up. So I'm going with my gun instinct. Uh, Hawthorne's form over the last six weeks has been very, very solid, playing uh, very good sides along the way. So I'm going to stick with uh, stick with Hawthorne in this one. So the next game we've got is uh, Melbourne versus Geelong on the uh, Friday night. So tomorrow night at the MCG. Um, both sides, uh, Melbourne finished off the uh, finished off the season uh, with two strong wins, beating uh, the uh, beating. GWS in the final week and uh, beating West Coast over in the West. They had not beaten a top eight side until that point. So they finished off with two wins over top eight sides. Granted, they have a history with Geelong as well in the fact that they uh, have had two games with them this season. Decided One decided after the siren and one decided in the last 20 seconds. Max Gorn had the kick in round one to uh, win them the game. <clears throat> which he subsequently missed, and Geelong won that one. And then in the last match, it's uh, at the Cattery. Melbourne were up by 29 points going into the final quarter, and Geelong uh, steamrolled them. And in the dying seconds, Zach Tui took a mark, went back from 40 to 45 metres, nailed it, and Geelong ended up winning the game after the siren. So Melbourne know how to play Geelong. It's just a matter of actually getting over the top of them. Geelong have had a relatively mm, easy run-in to this final series, having played Fremantle and then Gold Coast Suns, uh, both blowing them out of the uh, water uh, by in excess of 100 points per, per match. So in terms of the aspect, are their players in form? Yes, they are. How much can you gauge their form? Well, against those sides, you can't. And that's going to be what the great unknown going into this match is will those two soft matches end up hurting them? So it's an interesting conundrum for Geelong. Would you have preferred to play the likes of a Hawthorne or a Sydney or even a Richmond going into the final two rounds? Or would you have preferred the lighter running against those sides? So Melbourne's had the heavy running. Geelong's had the light running. And we'll see how that's going to uh, transpire. So Melbourne have uh, got two inclusions. They've got uh, their inspirational captain and probably the hardest man in the AFL, Jack Viney, back, uh, as well as Mitch Hannon. They lose Dean Kent to that shoulder injury, and Jay Kennedy-Harris has been omitted. Geelong, on the other hand, going unchanged, and unfortunately, Reese Stanley uh, does not uh, make it back to their lineup. So it means Ryan Abbott will have a baptism of fire as such, rucking solo against... Max Gorn, which is no mean feat. And Stanley did pretty well against Gorn last time. So it's going to hurt Geelong, I think. It's a matter of who stands up in this one. Uh, Geelong have got all the stars. They know what to do. They've been there before. It's old heads. Do they have enough, though, um, to overcome Melbourne is the big question. Will they be able to kick enough of a score? If Hawkins is held, if Menzel is held, can Geelong get enough scoreboard pressure on Melbourne to enable them to win. I'm not sure that they can unless they swing a Taylor or a Henderson up forward just to give a chop out to Hawkins and Menzel. Tim Kelly has been an absolute revelation. He is a bit of an X factor in this because if all the attention goes on Ablett, Selwood and Dangerfield, 
then Tim Kelly will run riot. So they need to pay attention to Tim Kelly. He's been probably the rookie of the year, unfortunately, could not win the Rising Star. Otherwise, he probably would have uh, won it by street. But uh, he has been probably the mature age rookie of the year and if not, the draft bargain of the year. So definitely the midfield depth is there for the Cats to match it with Melbourne. Melbourne, on the other hand, they need to be composed. They need to be able to take advantage of Max Gorn's um, presence and the advantage that he will give them. Um, their midfielders are quite contested. They like it in and hard, especially Jack Viney coming back in. So they will need to then um, get a bit of speed on the outside, get it to the likes of Bailey Fritch, get it to the likes of um, of the Mitch Hannons and uh Get it inside 50 as often as they can because when they go inside 50, they are a dangerous outfit. Tom McDonald's really come along as a forward. Um, they do have the Alex Neil Bullens. They, they can, uh, Christian Petrakas, Fritz can score, uh, Hannon can score. They're, they're, Viney can, can certainly kick goals. Dom, um, so they're all very uh, efficient and accomplished footballers when they go inside 50. So Melbourne will be looking to, um, if they can score over 100 against Geelong, then I think they win this one. But it is a final, so they will need to make the most of their opportunities and not waste any. If Max Gorn gets a chance again, he must nail it because you wouldn't want to miss twice, especially in a final and especially to put you out. Season's on the line. I'm going to go Melbourne, just back backing youth in over experience in this one. I think they've just um, they've just started to turn the corner at the right time of the season, and uh, those last two wins will give them a world of confidence. And I just don't know what it is about Geelong at the moment. I tipped them to win the flag. I don't think they can. I just think they lack a ruckman to just give them a real hard edge in the contest to give them a real advantage. Because their their midfield is is second to none, but they uh, they just need that advantage in the ruck and just need probably an extra forward. So um, watch though for Dangerfield. If he goes forward, he's a difficult matchup for anyone in the comp, and he could just be an X factor if they think they can uh, win enough midfield ball to get it down there. But I'm still going to go Melbourne. But again, it's going to be another tight game. It's going to be another classic. Uh, moving on to the Saturday Twilight game. Sydney versus GWS. Um, it's a bit of rivalry that's built up ever since GWS came into the competition, and uh, it's the Battle of Bridge Part 2. Sydney got the chocolates over GWS a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was only through sheer weight of numbers that probably got them there because at halftime, GWS were looking at uh, being the likely side that would go ahead and win that. And it just happened to be that uh, GWS um, lost Davis to injury, who was nullifying um, Lance Buddy Franklin. They lost um, also a couple of others to injury, which meant their rotations were well down. And it meant instead of having four, three or four rotations like the Swans were having, they were basically down to run rotation on the bench. So they fatigued quite quickly. And all of a sudden, a uh, a lead turned into a deficit, and Sydney were able to come over the top. And with Franklin's influence, kicking five goals, were able to uh, win it by twenty points. If GWS can stay fit, and it's uh, it's the it's the strong question this year. 
then GWS can definitely uh, win this one. So many times this year, and especially in the back half of the season, they've been down to two rotations by half time with their injuries. So if their players can actually stay on the field, uh, they're more than talented, uh, more than talented enough to win this uh, to win this match. And I don't think they'll be afraid of uh, afraid of Big Brother uh, Sydney Swans. Um, they match up quite nicely against them. Definitely, Phil Davis will go straight to Buddy Franklin, and you'd, you'd be thinking that he could curtail his influence given uh, the clashes they've had. Even if he can keep him to a minimum of three goals, I think that goes a long way to GWS winning the game. The one thing I've liked about GWS this season is the fact that um, unlike previous seasons, they've had to grind out results due to these injuries. They've had to work hard for their wins which is in contrast to previous seasons where they've probably just skirted through and then when the finals have come, they've not known what to expect and that's why they've been bundled out, not this time. They've had to work hard. They've had to grind. They've had to play with uh, without some of their star players like Kelly, uh, like Shill, um, like Zach Williams, like Deledio, like Toby Green, Jeremy Cameron. The list goes on. Um, they've, they've missed them all at various parts of the season. So they'll be... Uh, they'll be uh, definitely um, right up there. Look for um, Sydney, though, to tag uh, one of either Stephen Coniglio or Josh Kelly. Um, last time he did go to Coniglio after halftime and totally took him out of the game. So d- definitely Horse Longwire will be looking at um, curtailing one of those midfielders. So the ins for Sydney are Lance Franklin and Luke Parker come back into uh, that Sydney side. Jordan Dawson and Robbie Fox, the uh, unlucky players omitted. Uh, for GWS, it is uh, th- three out of f- uh, four of their top gums coming back. They're taking a risk with Brett Deledio. He's had the calf issues all season, so they're rolling the dice a bit there. Uh, Matt DeBoer comes back for a bit of uh, defensive forward work, most likely on a uh, Ben uh, Ben Ronk or a Tom Papley. Uh, Toby Green comes back in. Uh, he'll give their forward line some real bite, some real pressure, and he'll love, he loves these finals types of situations, so he'll be more than up for it. And Zach Williams, after being out all season, has had two games back in the knee fall. And he has been thrust back into the back line uh, in the absence of uh, He Shaw, who has been lost for the season to injury. Uh, he will be a massive inclusion, gives them some real drive and run from half back. So they've omitted Aiden, uh, their first round draft pick from last season, Aiden Bonar, Daniel Lloyd, Jeremy Finlayson, and Lachlan Keefe. So it was quite a top heavy. Uh, looking lineup, up and that was due to more personnel now it is much more settled it is much uh, much smaller um, on the SCG Sydney have not been that great this year they've lost games they shouldn't have uh, most notably to the Gold Coast uh, so it's not a uh, fait accompli that uh, Sydney goes in and wins this one and I'm backing the upset of in this one GWS are $2.15 I like those odds and I like GWS so I like the uh, Giants to uh, win Battle of the Bridge 2, which takes us then from the Twilight game to the Saturday night game, second versus third, and it's West Coast versus Collingwood. So West Coast have got uh, a massive uh, couple of... Obviously, they've had a massive season against uh, not all odds, but against all expectations, I would say. Losing uh, Pritis, Petrie and Mitchell took a massive chunk of their... Uh, experience and midfield timeout that now 
Uh, it's exposed the likes of uh, Jack Redden again. Um, Luke Shuey, Andrew Gaff. Andrew Gaff's had a fantastic season. Unfortunately, now uh, with that uh, ill-fated suspension, won't be a part of this campaign. But it's uh, unearthed some really, really good players for West Coast. So it's actually been a blessing in disguise. Um, and with the return of Josh Kennedy, who has been out for a lot of a long period of time this season, it gives him another forward target alongside Darling. Gives Lacroix a bit of a uh, a bit of a crumbing role now as well. Lysett will be um, pivotal in ruck. He'll have to at least give a contest against Brody Grundy because um, they'll need him to without Natanui. So him and Vardy will have to do the bulk of the ruck work. Vardy, Vardy will predominantly play forward, I would say, most of the time, but he will need to give a quality chop out um, for Lysett as Lysett will have his work cut out against him. The unlucky ones that make way out of that side are uh, first-year player Oscar Allen and uh, Will Schofield. More for team balance for Schofield. Um, with Collingwood not having uh, the tall forward options that other sides do. So for team balance, you bring in a Kennedy for a Schofield, bolster one area and take from another. Uh, Collingwood have been the side that have uh, also really surprised this season with their um, all their injuries, um, much like GWS, um, somehow they've still kept backing up, getting wins against the odds, Um and just managing to rely on their structure rather than individual players. And you've got to admire that. So it means that if a player comes in, they know their role, they fit straight in seamlessly. Uh, whereas with other sides, they rely on individual players. And when you do that, if that player is out injured and you've got no adequate replacement, then the uh, the structures can fall apart. So Nathan Buckley's done a fantastic job. And for mine, given the season they've had, Given the injuries they've had, I'd have to give him the coach of the season. So they're not without they're not without a, a chance here, Collingwood, especially on the back of um, Travis Farco and his um, the loss of his sister. That Collingwood and Varco in particular will be playing on a lot of emotion, uh, which is always a dangerous um, dangerous concoction that it can go either way. It can. It can work against you or it can work heavily in your favour. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Collingwood, though, finally, finally get some players back. And we're talking some big players. We're talking Adam Trelaw, uh, who will be will bolster their midfield no end. Pendlebury and Sidebottom have been in good form, but you add this uh, this quite, this uh, damaging midfielder into the mix and uh, it certainly uh, gives you some options, that's for sure. Jeremy Howe off half back and for his intercept marking will be crucial. Uh, Tyson Goldsack, huge risk. He's come back from an ACL early, uh, damaging it in February, March, and he is already back, uh, having already played three um, VFL games. So it's a huge risk to take, but... Um, given the damage to their backline and given who West Coast have got, I guess they really have no other option. So out goes Adam Oxley. He's been admitted. Uh, unfortunately, the convert uh, from basketball, Jack Mag- uh, Magden, uh, he loses his spot, as does uh, rookie Nathan Murphy. So they've gone for experience. They've gone for class in this Collingwood, and it gives them a fair shot. If they can reproduce... Um, 
what uh, they've been producing all year. They're not without a chance. But just bear in mind that West Coast did beat Collingwood at their bogey around the MCG early in the season. So West Coast do have good form and a good record against Collingwood. For that, I would say that you've got to back the home side in this one and back West Coast to get to a prelim, which means if they get to the prelim, then it can go... uh, then it can go uh, anywhere from there, and they can look look at uh, look at themselves as a premiership chance, uh, despite the loss of Natanui and Gaff. Uh, Collingwood, though, if they can do the upset, and they've done it before, uh, most notably probably Port Adelaide in two thousand and two, where Port were heavy favourites. Collingwood came over and nullified Port's game plan, ended up winning and got themselves the grand final. You couldn't rule out Collingwood doing it again. They've got the spirit. They've got the talent. And the coach is in fine form. So you just never know. But I'd back West Coast in this one. Um, Just so running through those tips, I've tipped uh, Hawthorne. I've tipped Melbourne, uh, who are the favorite against Geelong at $1.80. Geelong, a bit of value there at $2.05. I've backed GWS and I've backed uh, West Coast in. Collingwood are about uh, $2.40. So there's a bit of value in them as well. Uh, so Hawthorne, Melbourne, uh, GWS, and West Coast are my selections. Uh, as for Hayden did give his selections on the Tuesday night, and they were Richmond. Uh, he likes uh, he likes Richmond at the MCG. He thinks they're uh, they're going to be too good for Hawthorne, and you couldn't argue with him on that. Uh, he likes Geelong for their experience and just how they've um, managed to handle Melbourne the last couple of times and just get over the line, so they know how to win against Melbourne. So he's gone Geelong there. Uh, he's gone the same as me with uh, GWS. Uh, he likes the look of um, GWS for the same reasons that I do, and also obviously being the uh, West Coast supporter. We won't hold it against him. Uh, he's obviously gone West Coast as well. So they're the tips. And obviously with the betting, um, there's some really good value with some of the sides there, like Hawthorne and GWS. So moving on with the show, uh, after that with the predictions, the tips, and the uh, betting out the way, um, just like to... Uh, Give a big shout-out to John Millman. Despite him going down today uh, to Novak Djokovic in uh, three sets, managing to oust the uh, gr- one of the greatest of all time in Roger Federer and in four sets uh, was a mammoth, mammoth um, achievement for the 29-year-old. Um, not necessarily supply, a surprise to those who have watched him over the last 12 to 18 months. He's had his moments against the likes of Rayanich, um, Isner, uh, guys like that who are in the top 10. He's had his chances. He just hasn't taken them, but uh, he certainly took his chances against Roger Federer and well done to him in getting to his first quarterfinals. Uh, definitely a player to admire and watch as opposed to some of the uh, other players that we've got playing for Australia who shall remain nameless because one of them is uh, has got the talent, just doesn't realise it, and the other... Just is a, uh, well, just doesn't really love the game, I don't think, um, old Bernie. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, John Millman. And also uh, Alex DiManore, uh, he ran very close to taking out Marion Silich, uh, who got knocked out today by Kai Nishikori. And he was in a mammoth five-set marathon. Was up two sets to love. Um, he could have could have taken it. 
uh, unfortunately, just too young and too raw yet, but doesn't have the attitude of the other two. And he is one that will definitely be uh, admired. A lot of heart in the young lad. Uh, saved eight match points as well. So he's uh, he's definitely one to watch along with uh, Milman uh, coming into the summer season. Um, we'll be looking at uh, we'll be looking at cricket coming up very shortly. Uh, the NFL season kicks off this weekend as well. So finally, that is back for you, uh, all you American fans. So that's awesome, um, awesome to have that back. Uh, baseball's coming to an end. NBA and NHL are not far away. So it's all the changing of the seasons. Uh, it's the international break in football. So there is no EPL show um, or fantasy tips for Premier League this week. It's a, a bit of a break this week, and then we'll be back into it next week uh, for game week number five. And um, then uh, we'll head into uh, double digits with our 11th episode next week. So enjoy the weekend, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the punting, and enjoy the finals. And if your team's involved, good luck to them, um, because uh, the finals is a wonderful time of the year, and I only wish my side had managed to make it. But they haven't, and there's a review to be had. So good luck to uh, every, everyone uh, this weekend, especially if you've got local grand finals as well. Good luck to you on that. And the sporting one, hopefully, will be back with uh, Hados next week for our preview of the AFL Finals Week 2 and the EPL. Bye for now.